Hey, good morning, Orangewood. How's everybody this morning? Very good. It's great to be with you. No matter what is swirling in the Atlantic or the Gulf, it's always good to gather in God's presence to be reminded that we have a God who's in control of all things, that either we're going to ride through storms with him or our God has the ability to stand up and hush them and tell them to be still. Isn't that great to gather and worship that God uh, that we know that he is truly great? Hey, turn with me in your Bibles. Uh, Today we're going to continue in our sermon series through 2 Corinthians, the power of God in the midst of our weakness. Uh, We're making our way today to chapter 9. So if you missed last week, uh, chapter 8 and 9 are are an interesting part of uh, the story God has for us here through 2 Corinthians. There's a gift that's being taken up. Uh, as a matter of fact, the churches uh, throughout the region are taking up a gift for the poor, uh, the saints, those who are believers, uh, but they're struggling in Jerusalem. And it's amazing because God's going to have so much for us, so much to teach us today about who he is and how we're to respond to him as we look at a story of others uh, that is being told on how God is amazingly generous. God is amazingly gracious. So um, this last couple of weeks, we're really talking about a, a gift that the church has assembled. But it's not about the gift, ultimately. It's about a God who's giving and the ultimate gift that he has given to us in his son, Jesus. And because of that, we should rejoice. So as we begin, let's turn our hearts to God and ask him to come and to bless. Let us pray together. Oh, triune God, how great thou art. Truly, God, you are great in your character. In all of your attributes, being holy and spotless and pure, being loving and good, being sovereign in control of all things. Oh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are great because you are God. And we have the privilege of singing of your greatness. It's because of your greatness that we gather here. God, it's not only the greatness of your character, but it's also the greatness of your conduct. The greatness of your conduct that you're a God who leads with love and mercy. We sing because of the conduct of your son, the one who was the spotless lamb, who came and lived the life that we were supposed to died the death we deserve and rose from the dead so that we can have life and life abundantly. It's from your greatness that all of us have received, whether we acknowledge that today or not, because we've been made in your image and we've been made for your glory. We've been made to know and love you. So Holy Spirit of the living God, come and be with us. And fix our eyes on Jesus so that we truly can say how great you are. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The story's told of a rooster that makes his way into the hen house. And as he goes into the hen house, he's carrying an ostrich egg. And as he holds up the ostrich egg, he says, ladies, I need your attention, please. I'd like to show you something. I just want to show you what they're doing in the other hen houses next door. 
Uh, it's kind of a motivational thing, I guess you could say. Uh, it's using uh, one thing to uh, kind of spur on another. Uh, today, there's a little bit of that mentality in the text before us. There's a little bit of a holding up of an egg saying, churches in Corinth, look what the other churches are doing to spur them on to love and good deeds, to really to spur on generosity. But the good news is, is the ultimate motivation for us to respond in any way is not look at them or, or look at others, although God uses that. The ultimate motivation for us in a call to, to be generous, to be Christ-like, is not to follow someone else's example. It's to follow God. You see, there's such amazing good news is that last week as we got to chapter 8, verse 9, it tells us the core of a God who is amazingly generous. He is so generous that all of our lives are to be lived in a response, really, to his generosity. Because in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it, it tells us this, is that God took him who was rich. I mean, Jesus, uh, uh, you know full well of his love and kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Though he was rich, and though Jesus being very God, eternal God, creator God, the God who owns all things, rules over all things, although he were rich, yet for our sakes... He became poor. I mean, amazing good news of what Jesus Christ has done, that, that although he was rich and filled with the glory of God, being God himself, emptied that glory and just left nothing but love, became poor. I mean, such poverty of Jesus. Why would Jesus do that? So that we who are poor, poor in our own righteousness, poor because of our sinfulness, poor in our relationship apart from God, because we who are poor could become rich in Christ Jesus. I mean, what the good news of the gospel is amazing is this, is that all of the riches that Christ Jesus deserves as God's only son, all of the riches that Jesus has secured as God's obedient son, amazingly, he pours out on us. So that right now, no matter who you are, Right now, no matter what is happening, right now, no matter what is or is not in your bank account, what is or is not in your retirement account, what is or is not happening circumstantially, that right now, in Christ Jesus, we have been made rich with the Father's love, rich with the Father's grace, rich with the Father's forgiveness, rich with the Father and Son's righteousness. And we've been given and given and given so that we can be generous to those around us. There's such good news that we have for you this morning in God's word. The reality is the gospel is such something so much more than a motivational egg that we're to hold up and say, look what Jesus did. Now go try to be like him. Yes, that's part of it, but there's so much more. You see, God didn't say that there's a golden egg that we're to reproduce and strive to reproduce. Jesus came to love and rescue us. Jesus came to give us a pearl of great price. Jesus came to give us this exchange and this new identity. It's, it's called what scripture says, this pearl of great price. It, it is so much worth and value in what Jesus offers us 
through his life, death, and resurrection. Listen, there's so much worth and value in Jesus that we should be willing to sell all things to get it. I mean, what Jesus has to offer is that we should willingly, joyfully hold our hands open and say, this is nothing compared to Jesus. See, the motivation reality is not just this egg saying, try harder. It's the reality of all that Christ has done for us. Let's say it this way. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ allows us to find our identity, our security, our name, and our joy in Jesus, and all of the riches found in Christ Jesus that he has given to us. So what does that mean? So we no longer have to look into this world and the stuff of this world to find our our identity, to find our, our name, to find our security, to find our joy. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us is that he wants to provide that all for us, lavish upon us richly. So now we can take the world stuff and just hold it ever so loosely. And now be generous because he has been so generous to us. This morning, we're going to look at a few things. You want to follow along in your bulletin for an outline. We're going to see that generosity is divine. You see, the call to be generous is one given to us. Why? Because God is generous. Not only is generosity divine, but generosity is contagious. We're going to see that even in our text today, how God uses generosity to spur one another on. We're going to look at the so how of generosity. Now, I want you to know I work hard on these outlines and these little stupid things like so, S-O-W, so how, proceed. Just appreciate it, all right? It's no extra charge. We're going to see the so how of generosity. We're going to see the so what of generosity. And we're going to see the so why of generosity. And I got to listen, even before we begin, I got to tell you, this is good news. This is a whole lot more about Jesus than it's about you. And so if you're sitting there thinking, oh, oh, here we go. Preacher talking about generosity. No, no, no. They're, they're, we're going to look to a God who's generous to really rattle us and motivate us and drink deeply of reality of who he is. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9. We're going to look at uh, the entire chapter. It's 14 verses. Verses 1 through 14. Yes, this was written at a specific time for a specific church about a specific gift. But amazing, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's for you, it's for me. Whoever is here, God has you here. And he wants to speak to you and teach you about who he is and what he's calling you to do through this great word. So read along with me silently as I read 2 Corinthians 9. It's also in the new bulletin you'll see that'll be listed for you there as well, as well as on the screen. Paul writes, I really don't need to write to you, and again, he's writing to the church in Corinth, about the ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you were to help, and I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin to give. Remember last week, we looked at the fact that these Macedonian churches, they had extreme poverty. They were dirt poor. They were in the midst of terrible affliction. And yet they heard about this need, the need of giving to the saints in Jerusalem. They heard about the churches in Corinth starting a collection. And here's what they did. They pleaded with the opportunity to give as well. 
because they wanted to be a part of what God was doing. Paul's going to do his due diligence in verses 3 through 5. But I'm sending these brothers uh, to be sure you really are ready, as I have been telling them, and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonia believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure that the gift you promised is ready. I love this. But I want it to be a willing gift, not giving grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, and he's going to quote Psalm 112.9. They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and the bread to eat. In the same way, he will produce and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Isn't that a great phrase? A great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of the brothers in Jerusalem will be met and and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry or your gift, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ, the gospel. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this, his most wonderful gift which is too wonderful for even words. Again, let us pray. Father, would you open up our ears to hear what you want to tell us today in this word? God, would you allow our minds to understand who you are and what you're asking us to do? Father, would you soften our hearts to absorb your love, your grace and mercy? Can you just fill our hearts to overflowing so that we can be overflowing in generosity for you. Father, would you allow us to walk in obedience in a manner worthy of the gospel because you're here and we're, in a, we're under authority of your word. Come and speak, Lord Jesus, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The first thing we see here is that generosity is actually divine. It's the grace of God that is ultimately generous. It's interesting, in these two chapters of 8 and 9, they're going to talk about a gift. It's the word grace that keeps on emerging over and over and over again. It's 15 times. And it's really the focus of this is not our generosity, first and foremost. It's God's generosity to us, through us, 
for us. You see, generosity is divine. We are called to be generous because God is generous. Now, you don't know that about God, but this is what we need to start with and understand. God is amazingly generous in the way he loves. He lavishes his love upon us. Those who deserve wrath, those who deserve damnation, those who deserve separation in hell. Here's what he does for his children. He lavishes his love upon us, that he makes us his own children. We're his, a God who gives and gives and gives. Do you know that God couldn't give us more than he's given us in Christ Jesus? I mean, in Christ Jesus, he's, he's given us himself. He's given us God's own son. I mean, in Christ Jesus, he's given us the one who, who lived the life we were supposed to but failed to. I mean, in Christ Jesus, he's given us this spotless lamb, this sacrifice that our sins deserve. In Christ Jesus, he's given us life and life eternal. In Christ Jesus, he's given us forgiveness. I mean, in Christ Jesus, he's given us righteousness, God's righteousness. In Christ Jesus, he's given us relationship. I mean, he's taken those who by nature are far off and are children of light and and by nature children of wrath, and he's given us relationship with him. I mean, in Christ Jesus, he's made his family and he's not going to ever turn his back on us. In Christ Jesus, he's given us a future that is secure. I mean, in Christ Jesus, we know that one day we will see him and we'll be like him. God couldn't give us any more than he's already given us in Christ Jesus. Our God is so generous and so merciful to us. I think the reason that God loves a cheerful giver is because God is a cheerful giver. I love what the, the book of James says about God's generosity. In, in James 1, 5, it says this. It says that God gives and gives and gives. And you ready for this? He gives without a lecture. Don't you love that about God? I mean, let's, let's settle that in there a little bit. I mean, generosity is divine because God so gives. He doesn't give with a lecture like, hey, I gave this to you last time. Don't lose it this time. Okay, I've cleaned you up today. Don't mess it up. Okay, now let me tell you how much this is worth before I give it to you. Do you know what I'm about ready to put in your hands? Do you know that our God gives without a lecture? What a father. What a son. What a savior. You see, generosity begins and ends with God. He is the alpha and the omega of giving. All that we have, the air in your lungs... Whatever is or isn't in your checking account, all that we have, our gifts, our ability, our health, all that we have have been given to us graciously by God. He's the one who owns all things. You know what we can trade credit for for ourselves? What we can say, well, this I've earned, this I've done on our own, just our sin, just our junk. Everything you have has been a gift given to you by God. He is the alpha and omega of giving and generosity. How is he the omega? He gives us every gift for his glory. He gives us every gift for a purpose. He gives us every gift so that we can give to others. And ultimately, it's for his praise and his glory. God is the alpha and omega of giving. He just wants us to respond to his generosity. Generosity is divine. Secondly, generosity is contagious. I mean, the first five verses are almost comical. It's almost like Paul saying, well, 
Macedonia churches, you heard about what they were doing in Corinth and you started to respond, Yahoo, all right, now those in Corinth, look what they're doing over here in Macedonia and I'm gonna send some people ahead, make sure you don't mess up and get that gift going. They're spurring one another on. That's an amazing thing because generosity is supposed to be contagious. I mean, it was so contagious to the churches in Macedonia, they pleaded for the opportunity to give what God is doing. Scripture tells us that we're supposed to spur one another on to love and good deeds. That the gospel of Jesus Christ is to make such a difference in our lives that we live our lives with a complete different identity and purpose now, with a complete open hand. And the way we live our lives with such generosity, with all that we have, is to spur one another on. Hebrews 10, 24 says it this way. Think of ways to encourage one another of outbursts of love and good deeds. You know, one of the greatest things this church has ever done, you don't know about. The reason we didn't tell you about it is because we felt it would not honor God to tell you. But I'm going to tell you now because it really helps spur on love and good deeds. 2007, we finished the year with a surplus. Thank you, God, in all those years. We finished the year with a surplus in 2007. We had, we had a, a budget of 2.8. We, uh, we had revenues of 3.1. Right about that time we were finishing up our fiscal year, I found out that a dear friend of mine in one of our church plants, University Presbyterian Church, was in dire financial situation. As a matter of fact, they were about ready to let go some long-term staff members that they could no longer afford. And as I left that meeting, I just had a stirring in my heart that, God, these are not ours. These are your resources. I mean, this is kingdom, and this is one of our churches. So I asked the pastor, how much do you need? said, $50,000. So went to the elders and said, you know what? I just really believe God's leading us. He gave us a surplus, but he gave it a surplus to give away. So I believe we should give $50,000 to University Presbyterian Church. And we did. Wrote a check and sent it to university. And we didn't tell anybody because, listen, Scripture says that we're not really supposed to do what I'm doing now, but there's a point in me doing it now. We didn't do it then. We just kind of let it go and just say, God, you receive glory. And then the elders and the pastor and the church started writing back saying, man, we'll never forget what you did. Well, God got word out the way he wants to. And at Presbytery, it got word out that Orangewood's so crazy, they're giving money away. And it made Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church up at Lacanto say, you know what? We got a daughter church. We got a little extra. Let's pay their mortgage. Let's settle their debt. Something amazing about generosity that's contagious. So you, you hear what God is doing. I got goosebumps just, just telling you that. I mean, we're supposed to spur one another to love and deal deeds, especially God's family. Galatians 6.10 says this, whenever we have the opportunity, whenever you have it, you're going to have it all the time, we should good, do, do good to everyone. God has called us to show the love of Christ to everyone. But he says this, especially to our Christian brothers and sisters. You see, generosity in responding to God starts with one another. That we are to care for one another. We are part of God's family. And we are to be generous to one another. One of the greatest ministries, again, this church has is our deacons fund. It's a fund set up for the family of God here in Orangewood. It's not a budgeted fund. You give to it. You give to it so those who can't pay a medical bill 
God bless the Thomases, continue to play for Asher, this little two-year-old that's going through leukemia. Uh, so we could pay medical bills or maybe a mortgage payment or maybe a loss of a job and you're sideways or something's happened with the kids. I mean, I love the fact that our, our deacons fund has just blessed so many in so many profound ways. I mean, it's so important for us to keep that going. I tell the deacons, spend it. I mean, let's don't be foolish, but make sure you hear the story. But it's not our money, it's God's money. And the worst thing that could happen is it's sitting in an account. Spend it, and then we'll get it. And so we said, hey, we're going to have an offering after communion on communion Sundays for the deacons fund. This is beyond your tithes, beyond your givings. This is to say, we want to be a blessing to our family. I have it taken out electronically. I mean, the deacons fund has blessed me. It has blessed me over the years in many ways. And so monthly, there's just something that will always go out of my uh, funds, our funds, uh, it's for uh, making sure for the family. I got to tell you, there's, there's, a, uh, there's a coach in my life, a financial coach, who I've never seen anybody more excited to use their gifts for God's glory. And the gift she has is a gift of giving and generosity. And I've just watched her bless so many in the community, bless so many. I'm just saying, wow, God, I want to be like that. I, I want to I be able to say the love of Christ has so set me free. I'm so in love with you that I want to follow that example. I love what the scripture says. Listen, listen what it says. We are enriched in every way. And my brothers and sisters, are we sure are. We are enriched in every way. Why? So that we can be generous at all times. The whole point of God's blessing is so that we could be generous. So let's look at this. The so how of, of generosity. The so how. First of all, it's willingly. God wants us to be generous willingly. I mean, in verse 5, it says not grudgingly. In verse 7, not reluctantly or response to pressure. Jesus has freely and lovingly given us all things he can. We are to freely and willing give back to him. It's all about grace and giving. I mean, we give willingly if we respond to God's amazing grace to us. If you're here, and you're hearing, oh man, I don't want to give anything. I don't want to do it. Keep it. Because really, for what God wants us to be able to do in the gospel of Jesus Christ is to say, God, I get it. I get what you've done for me. I get my identities in you. I get my joys in you. I get my securities in you. I get that I have the privilege of giving willingly, God. In obedience, I give in response to you, willingly. Secondly, generously, in verse 6. Again, at the core of generosity is the gracious generosity of God to us. I mean, that's the core. It's God's generosity. I mean, I love this. He, he's the one who provides the greatest gift. Here's what's happening in these two chapters. There's a gift that's being collected for the poor. And here's how verse 15 in chapter 9 ends. But thanks be to God for his indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. You want to talk about gifts, churches? Really, the gift is Jesus. The gift is the gospel. The generosity is found root there. He provides the gift. It was Jesus who became poor so that we can be rich. It's Jesus who provides the seed for us to sow. It's Jesus who provides the bread for us to to eat. And more about those two in a minute. It's Jesus who provides us with all of our needs and gives us leftovers. Why? So that we can give. It's Jesus. We give generously because he gave generously. 
You know those just-in-time checks that you sometimes get? Got one this week. One of those weeks where, okay, let's see if we can make it. You know, the old shell game. And, and uh, uh, all of a sudden, uh, an escrow that was uh, closed uh, with one insurance company in our house. We got another insurance company and a check that you forget about. You know those checks you forget about that eventually come. And you're like, oh, Lord, this could not be a better week than you got it. I mean, Katie's going through the mail. You know how you do that? Junk, 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 junk. All she comes out and goes, is this a check? Let me look at that. It's a check. I mean, it's just amazing timing of God. Amazing timing of God just to say, you know, I knew that all along. And let me generously give. And just at the same time, wrestling over a letter of asking support from one of our own to go and be a part of an amazing ministry. And just to realize that, God, you're giving to meet needs, but you're giving more for us to be generous. You see, that's that's what God does so that we can have the joy as well. Give generously. I love what it says in verse 13. Listen, generosity is proof of our participation and partnership in the gospel. It's proof that we get it that we're partnering with God to redeem this world through him, that we've been reconciled to him in Christ Jesus. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And now that we have the ministry of reconciliation, guess what? We must be generous. And we know that we get it because it's proof that we're now saying, God, I'm responding to the gospel. We are the fruit of God's generosity for his. Do you know that? If you can call yourself Christian, if you're a child of the God, you are fruit of God's generosity and all he's done for you in Christ Jesus. So therefore, we must be generous. We must be fruitful. Okay, willingly, generously, thoughtfully, in verse seven, give thoughtfully or prayerfully what you decide in your heart, it says. I mean, what does it mean to give thoughtfully? I mean, really, it means that we ought to adhere to biblical guidelines, I mean, what does the Bible say about giving? It's pretty clear when you read the whole book. It says, begin with a tithe. I mean, begin with the first 10% of gross and bring it to me to say, in obedience and love, I'm responding to your word. I'm giving this thoughtfully. I'm giving this biblically. And really what this passage is dealing with is beyond a tithe. This is a gift that goes beyond what God has asked us to give. Give thoughtfully. What does that mean? It means this, give under authority. I know you're hit up from every different direction, from all different kinds of needs. You have to pray about what you give. You have to give thoughtfully. Make sure it's kingdom-minded and something that God's calling you to. But part, listen, part of being thoughtful in giving is giving under submission. It's, it's the fact that you're bringing into the storehouse your tithe and offering for your elders and your officers to pray over and say, what ministries do we support? What missionaries do we support? Give thoughtfully means give biblically. Give under authority. Give cheerfully, 7B. Give cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because he's a cheerful giver. I love that. Proverbs 22.8, God says that he uh, loves cheerful givers. We gen- he generously provides all that we need not all that we want. We will always have, he says, we will always have everything we need and plenty left over to share. I know some of you will say, mm, not me. If you're here today and you can't say, he supplied all my needs and I have something I have left over to share, something's going wrong. 
Either your needs and your wants are out of line. Because God said, I'm going to provide all your needs and I'm going to give you leftovers. Leftovers to share. And sometimes it might be a widow's mite. And sometimes it might be a really small amount to share. So if you are here today and you say, I, I, can't, I don't have anything to share. I don't have anything to give. I mean, it's all gone. I don't have it. This is a call for you to examine your life. It's a call for you to say, where to go? And it, where is that out of accord? He quotes here Psalm 112.9. God, God, godly people give generously to the poor because we are on mission for him. Their good deeds will never be forgotten. You know what I love about this? It's basically saying this. We're in partnership with God. He wants to bless this world and he wants to use you through it to do it. He wants to tell his story through you. He wants to pour his resources through you. He wants you to be in partnership with him, a conduit for him, for his blessing. And he gives us an amazing privilege to do that. I love what verse 11 says in the TNIV. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. If you're here, you don't feel like God has made you rich in every way. Let's examine what you feel riches truly are. In Christ Jesus, love, mercy, forgiveness, daily bread, joy, peace, community. That's rich. Okay, that's the so how. The so what of generosity. I love this. The so what of generosity is, is probably a little different than you know. Again, the core, the core of this so, what God, listen, what God is asking us to sow, the what, you ready for this? The what is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. First and foremost, what God wants us to sow generously in and through our lives is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because here's what he says. This is incredible. He says that God is the one who provides the seed, the seed, and to a farmer is a seed. And you might think, okay, so what? God's the one who provides the seed. But with a little bit of a study and examining, this seed is amazingly biblically powerful. Just like a seed that puts in the ground is amazingly powerful, the power in it. You see, the seed that God provides is what was always promised of the seed to come. In Genesis 3.15, after man fell into sin, God graciously promises that the seed will come and this seed will crush Satan in death. When he went to a righteous man named Abraham who, who believed in God and it was credited to him as righteous, God promised him his seed. He said in this seed, it will be a blessing to every tribe, tongue, and nation. In this seed, all nations will be blessed. A virgin will give birth. She will have a seed, a righteous seed. And his name is Jesus. And so when it says to us this amazing truth that God is the one who provides the seed, really what he's saying is God is the one who provides the gospel. God's the one who provides us Jesus. But it says more than that. He says he'll not only provide the seed, he'll provide the bread. With a little of examination of God's word, we think of bread, manna, what is it? 
God provided for his people in the wilderness. Daily, there's manna appeared. But when Jesus came and walked among us, he said, I'm the true bread of heaven. I'm the one who's come from the Father. I'm the one. You partake of me, you will live forever. Jesus is not only the true seed to come, Jesus is the true bread to come. So God is the one. What are we to sow? We're to sow the gospel. Not only is he the seed, not only is he the bread. You ready for this? He's the gift. He is the gift. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's indescribably great and wonderful. Not only that, of the what is God gives us even the opportunity to give. So what does it mean for you sitting here, hearing this, this what? How do you sow the gospel? How are you to make sure there's a multiple fruit with that? Give you a couple thoughts. First of all, your time. Your time. You sow generously with your time and you respond to God. You volunteer. (laughs) You advance Christ's kingdom. You show up and help set up church. Uh, you do nursery. I mean, those aren't even generous things. Those are like bottom line things. I mean, really, generously means your time. I mean, God's given it to you. You should give it back to him. Your talent, whatever God has given you the ability to do. Your talent, that's what you are to sow for the glory of God. Your treasure, uh, your resources. Give, give joyfully, give thoughtfully, give cheerfully to advance Christ's kingdom. Your influence. What has God given you in regards to influence? Maybe, mom, it's your household blessing near you. That's an amazing influence. Nothing greater. The power of mom. Don't you think the influence of your home is not influence for God? Leverage that for the glory of God. Be generous. Make sure the gospel is there. What has God made you influential over? Use that generously for the glory of Christ. And lastly, your story. I mean, be generous with your story. Be generous with the fact that you, you're a sinner if you're one of his saved by God's grace. Be generous to tell people, this is what God has done for me. And be so generous that you don't have to hide. You don't have to pretend. Let the world know the truth, that you are a sinner saved by God's grace. Share your story. Be in community so others hear it, so others know and love you. It's so a part of sharing our story is being in community with, with one another. Now the so why of generosity. Why? We are to so much. And remember, it's all made possible only when we realize all that we have been given. Why? Verses 11 through 14 tell us why. It says, why? Well, listen, you're enriched. There's one reason why God has given you more. It's not for a better vacation. It's not for an earlier retirement. It's not for a little bigger house. We are enriched to give more. Why? We are enriched to give to those in need. God gives us because he cares for the poor. He cares for the broken. We're the people who should make sure that we care most for them. So he gives to us so we can give to those in need. Why? So they will break out in thanksgiving to us. No. So they will break out in thanksgiving to God. Verses 11 and 12. So they'll see us provide and say, praise be to God. What an amazing God you serve. Why? So you will glorify God in your life. That's why God created you. God created you in his image to ultimately bring him glory. Why? So that you will prove yourself obedient to the gospel in verse 13. Again, so you say, God, in obedience, I get it. You are my identity. 
You are my security. You are my joy. You are my name. You are my life. I get it. I'm going to give to prove the fact that I give it, get it. Um, so that others, why? So others will pray for us with deep affection. I love that. And lastly, why? So that we can be conduits of God's grace through us. You know, the whole deal is God says, I am ridiculously generous to a world that doesn't deserve it. And here's what I want to do. I want to show the world that I'm ridiculously generous through you. I want you to live a gospel-soaked life. I want you to understand all I've done for you in Christ Jesus. And now here's what I want to do. I want you to be a conduit of my blessing. You see, I've reconciled the world to myself through Christ Jesus. And now I'm giving you this ministry of reconciliation. Now I'm making you partners. Now I'm making you ambassadors. Now I'm making you conduits. Be my hands. Be my feet. Be my, my, my words. Go. So what are we to do? Give yourself first to God. I mean, it's what it says. I mean, it says last week, how we respond. First, we give ourselves to God. That's what we do. How do we give ourselves to God? We say, God, I'm all yours. I think that looks like things that we, we tithe. We, we show that we, we love him. We respond to his word. But we do so without compulsion. I love what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He was talking to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the longest prayers and the most amazing tithers. No one tithed better than a Pharisee. They got down to things like their, their mint and their dill. I mean, they were trying to tithe on, on uh, what do you call those things? Mint and dill are what? Spices. They were down to their spices. Thank you. But Jesus said, listen, good for you. Hey, tithing on even your spices. But your heart's all messed up. You're doing it for yourself. You're doing it for your own righteousness. Really, you should do it something so much greater in response to my love. He says something very interesting. Don't neglect tithing, but now you do it out of love. You respond in a whole different way. Giving out of grace and gratitude, not guilt and compulsion. Giving out of grace and gratitude, not guilt and compulsion. And what God is ultimately trying to do is develop in us a harvest of generosity because he has a harvest of, of generosity. You see, gospel giving is distinctly Christian. Why? Because it's motivated by, for God's glory. It's a response to God's grace. Gospel giving is distinctly Christian. We, we can be, listen, you could be here and give 90% of your, your uh, income to the church or to good causes, and it won't matter. Ultimately. 1 Corinthians 13 says, listen, you could give it all and have not love. And doesn't matter. God, God doesn't want you to give because you're afraid or because you might break out in a rash. God wants you to give because he wants you to see all he's given to you. And have the joy of that. You see, it's distinctly Christian because we want to do it for the glory of God, for the need of our brothers, and the privilege and the obedience to the gospel. How is it with you? I love the fact that Jesus didn't come as a rooster with a bigger egg saying, look what I'm doing, try to live up to this. Jesus came with a great pearl and says, I want to richly give you all things through me so that through me, you too can be generous. Let us pray. Father God, 
What an amazing, loving Father you are. As God, you have every right to exact from us what you want or demand. But God, that's not your nature. And that's not how your son operated when he was on this earth. Father, you are a God who freely, richly gives and lavishes and loves and pours upon us mercy after mercy and grace after grace. God, you want grace and mercy to abound in us so that grace and mercy will abound through us to a world in desperate need for the praise of your name and the glory of our great God. Father, I pray that your spirit would continue to fall upon us that God, if, if we aren't giving willingly, cheerfully, generously, joyfully, that there's something wrong with our hearts. We just haven't leaned deep enough into Jesus. So God, would you come with power and would you just love us into obedience? Would you remind us that all that we have is by design for you and your glory? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.